Welcome to the ramblings of Beef and Slip, your weekly companion to help you unpack the Catholic Mass readings and discuss how the Word helps you know your God. Support for this podcast and the following message come from Very Good Web Solutions with their innovative design and top-tier customer service. Very Good is leading the chart on website design. Go to VeryGoodWebSolutions.com today to see their prices and products. Welcome back, everybody, to another rambling of Beef and Slim. My name is Slim, also known as Kyle Cogman. To my right is... Father Adam, a.k.a. Beef. Beef. And tall and skinny, you can barely see him. Ampersand. <laughs> Wait a second. So as Kyle said, our introduction, we're Beef and Slim. Ampersand is an and. Ampersand doesn't work. You have to come up with something else. Wait, what are you talking about? I mean, so we're Beef and Slim. Beef, beef, and Slim. Nah, I think it's Beef and Slim. Beef in? Beef like apostrophe N. <laughs> no, we're definitely beef and. and if you look it up on iTunes, it's Beef and. If you look do you up, know that you're on a podcast right now? Do you understand? I a, do I now have to introduce myself as apostrophe N? Because it's getting more and more degraded. <laughs> that was the main goal I was going towards. Because <laughs> we're talking about humility today. Look at that lead in. <laughs> look, at that. look at that transition. Only took him six months. He's got it. <laughs> That's because the last one I did, Kyle said I'm not ready to go into the next reading. And he punched me in the face. <laughs> Metaphorically. <laughs> All right. Well, we're excited you guys are here with us again. We are a little bit loopy. I'm not going to lie. We've had a lot of coffee. We've taken a lot of bathroom breaks, and we're all very hungry. Mm, food. <laughs> but I'm always very hungry. Yeah, bacon. All right. Our first reading is Sirach 35, 12 through 14, and 16 through 18. Our second reading is 2 Timothy 4, 6 through 8, and 16 through 18. And our gospel is Luke 18, 9 through 14. And as Father mentioned, our theme for today is humility, pride, and uh, judgment or the lack thereof, and we are very excited to discuss this and kind of yell at each other and judge each other on how well we do. I'm better than you. No, I'm definitely better than you. You're worse than me. Well, I've heard I'm about the worse than, than, than all Kevin. of you. So that means I'm the most humble. Because <laughs> <laughs> okay. you haven't. Have you seen my like? Uh, I have a banister at my house, and I've I've got I've got trophies and medals. Did you smell yourself? <laughs> what did you just do? <laughs> <laughs> All right, trophies, medals. Let's start. I don't you know. The wall of fame. Like, I've got uh, a wall of fame, but it's a wall of humility. Like it's my awards for my humility. Oh. I thought you were going to say, because you got ninth place on all your trophies. Are they all participation <laughs> awards? Did you not even place? So you're super embarrassed when Which you see them? The is dumbest it, parts does it of say <laughs> Kyle Cuckleman? Is it in your parents' house or is it in your house? Do they display all of your participation? Yeah, my parents do it. Yeah. <laughs> is it in the living room? I hate you guys. <laughs> you know, the, the prayer of the lonely pierces the clouds, and the lonely is praying. I accidentally highlighted that. That's what's highlighted on my screen right really? now. Really? Uh-huh. I love that line. That entire last little bit is freaking cool in Sirach. By the way, we're talking about the first reading right now. <laughs> Catch up, guys. Okay, we're talking about humility and pride. So somebody... Start us off here. Why is this reading and humility and pride? Go. Kev. Uh, I, slim. I want Apostrophe in. <laughs> slimming? <laughs> slimming. Getting slimming. <laughs> you know, I think when we're talking about humility and pride, like, we always want to, like, well, where, like, I mean, like, I know, like, that we're not supposed to rank ourselves, but, like, 
but where am I ranked? Yeah. And then, like we see in the first reading, you know, God of Justice, who has no favorites. And I'm always like, really? He doesn't have any favorites. Like, have you seen some of these saints and the graces they get? Like, I, I want some. Like, I, I want to. We were Give talking me. earlier in one of the sh- uh, before shows about, like, I want to bi-locate just, like, once. Like, how come, how come Padre Pew got to do that? Like, I want to be God's favorite. So, like, yeah. what gives? We'll talk about that in the second reading. Can you pause that question, please? Fine. Okay. We're pausing for station identification. Uh-huh. <laughs> this is P.O.P. Youth Room. Coming at you, KMBZ. Uh, so we don't talk have about rights. something real. So I, the Lord is I'm not Instagramming. Deaf to the wail of the orphan, nor to the widow when she pours out her complaints. So the widow would be seen as basically an outcast of society. She has to rely on other people. She wouldn't be much different than a beggar um, if she doesn't have a kind family member to take her in. Um, she's gonna be just cast off to the side and be a, become a beggar. So she's low of society standard. And so I think, again, to go back to the way that Satan likes to tempt us is he tries to tell us that we're worthless, that we're not worth anything, um, that God's never going to listen to our prayers. And I'm going to assume that everybody listening has heard that, uh, whether you would acknowledge it or not, or would have noticed it maybe is a better phrase or not. He tries to tell us that. And I think is what we're seeing here is the reminder that God listens to every one of us. And God chooses the lowly. He chooses the poor, the weak. Um, to do his work. Again, the apostles were night shift, second shift people. They worked at night, were manual laborers. Mm-hmm. They weren't the top cream of the crop. Um, and so to maybe use it as a way of confronting Satan being a jerk um, and to know that God listens to every one of us as individuals as well as us as the entire body. I like that it talks about how the prayer speaks to the the lowly or the prayer the lowly pierce, pierces the cloud, that the, the lowest of the low, that's where the prayer, but that's like, we are all that lowest of the low, right? Like, if true humility is recognizing who you are in reference to God, well, then we are all the lowest of the low. So our prayer pierces the clouds and does not rest until it reaches its goal and so on and so forth. Like, there's no one, like, you're not better than me. I mean, in all reality, like, you're not better than me, Father. We are equal in dignity because we're human beings. Yes. How's that for theological terms? <laughs> Which is lower than God. Mm-hmm. So that we are all that lowly person. We are all God. the widow. We are all the orphan. We are all that. Yeah, we want to make a, a chart that says, well, here's Mother Teresa and here's Hitler, and I'm somewhere in the middle, so I must be doing fine. Yeah. But the top of the chart is not, you know, where Mother Teresa's at. It's it's God. It's God. Yeah, and there's no—the bottom of the chart is just us. Like, we're a lump sum. Mm-hmm. <laughs> we are the bottom. When you get into the infinite, we're pretty small. <laughs> Yes. I'm loving how this is all going to fall in because we're going to talk about the lowliness, the paradox is a new theme of our, our podcast. So we're going to talk about that. Then we're going to talk about the awesomeness we do by God's grace when we get to the second reading. Well, why don't you do it? Because I'm not done yet. <laughs> He's not There's, done yet. I wanted, I'm trying to He's quote. He's unfinished. <laughs> um, I'm trying to quote something. Um, it's a paradox. He wants to move on, but he's not done yet. Is that a paradox? I don't know. I keep reading this, the prayer of the lowly pierces the clouds, like, over and over again. <sighs> Me too. And going back to last week and that perseverance in prayer and how this mm. ties into it of, like, you know, I think this huge source of pride that comes in our life is when we start presuming what God should be doing and how mm. we should be acting and how he should be acting our prayers. And I know that's one of my big frustrations is when I start to get frustrated in prayer, it's because I think God should be doing something a certain way or acting a certain way. And so then I become less likely to pray because he's not doing what I want. But the lowly person says, man, I, I don't know anything. I don't know what mm. I'm doing. I don't know what you're doing, but I'm going to keep going after you. And my, I'm going to keep stabbing the clouds until it ge- reaches the most high until you do something. And, you know, 
as oftentimes as not, that something is telling me to shut up and just do what he's told me to do. Yeah. Um, and so that's just, that's awesome. The, the one, sorry. Well, one thing I was thinking is like, um, our prayer should be like the, the beggar. So in, in the sense that a beggar does not, uh, like if you give a beggar a dollar, grateful for the dollar. If you give a beggar 20, grateful for the 20. Like there's no, a beggar's not going to say, no, I don't want that dollar. That's not what I wanted. Mm-hmm. They're going to say, yeah, that's, that's totally fine. And that's the same thing with our prayer. Like we should pray in whatever grace, whatever, whatever gift we receive in that moment, we should be grateful for that thing. Yeah. You probably said that exact same thing, but I had to dumb it down for myself. So I apologize. Okay. <laughs> I enjoyed what you said. Okay, good. Yeah, I was enjoying that. Okay, cool. Hey, Father, yeah. get off your phone. No, Texty. I'm trying to see if I can find the right thing. So one thing I want to talk about here that ties in is the Roman canon, canon the first Eucharistic prayer, the real mm. long one, that usually gets busted out on um, the big feast day. So I usually use it on Christmas and Easter and Pentecost and um, those big ones. And so this is an old translation, I think, from before the new one came out. At least I'm pretty sure it is. I was trying to find the new one on my phone, blah, blah, blah. Um, but... Almighty God, we pray that your angel may take the sacrifice to your altar in heaven, then as we receive from this altar the sacred body and blood of your son. So as we make this offering, which go back to last week or the weeks before podcast about our offertory offering, we ask God to raise them up. So specifically the bread and the wine so they may be transformed into Jesus' body, blood, soul, and divinity, but also that our lives may be changed. And so we're talking about our prayers being raised up until they hit the goal. And then he says... Um, well, it appears to clouds, it does not rest until it reaches its goal, nor will it withdraw till the Most High responds. Mm-hmm. Just That's the part the that right, I keep freaking and out about. Delay. Wow. And then, so not only is God going to hear it, but a transformation is going to take place. So in the Eucharist, obviously, it is that God himself becomes present so that we may adore him and then receive him into us physically. Um, but he's going to do that with any prayer that we have. And so as we were talking about that, that the prayer, it's, again, that's the old translation, it's, the angel might take it to the altar on high and then something else. But to realize that, again, everything that we do is rooted in the liturgy. Everything the, mm-hmm. the liturgy has is rooted in the scriptures and should flow into every aspect of our life. Folks, Kevin's head is blowing up folks, right now. pause your podcast and just sit in silence with that for a minute to think about, like, that as our prayers go up, like, Christ comes down and that's the – wow. And that's that's why, beautiful. It, but it's his response to our prayer. That's the part that – if I don't pray those prayers, yes. And, if, and first of all, if the people don't come and bring me their gifts, yes. Which in, in the early church was very literal. It was they literal the bread, the bread. yeah. They and they goats, went the field they and did chickens, it, and they brought stuff to feed the and hungry a, too, and a hay bale. Yeah, all that stuff. But specifically, the bread and the wine. <laughs> if they didn't bring that to the priest. The, the, the priest can't say his prayer. He doesn't have the stuff he needs to make this prayer. And if he doesn't say the prayers, God's not going to come down. The we have to be active, which is, again, the theme that we've had these last couple of weeks. Of We have to be active in our faith. We can't just be passerbyers. We cannot just be um, people who observe or watch from a distance. We can't be spectators is the word I'm trying to stall for. But God will respond. So let me ask you this. In, in God's response, how, how does God's uh, – how does – Praying and receiving God's response. How 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 should we be humble in that response? Well, the prayer always should include what Mary's prayer is, what Jesus's is in the Our Father that He gives us, which is our model for prayer, and then His in the Garden. We have to include if we want it to be a legitimately beautiful, a fully beautiful prayer, is Thy will be done. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, like when I say the Mass, I'm doing what God wants me to do because Jesus said, "Do this." I'm, he said, "Do it," so I'm going to mm-hmm. do it. 
And so Jesus makes his prayer. And we can make this our prayer. God, I want this disease to leave my mom, or I want this disease to leave me. Jesus says, I want this coming persecution to not go by me, but thy will be done. And that goes back to a couple of weeks ago. The mass is uh, the faith the size of a mustard seed. You should be able to move the sycamore tree. But that's only if God wants sycamore if it's in if it's thy will shall be done. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The more I've been a priest and have talked to people, the more I realize Jesus's prayer in the garden is the answer to about everything. It's the beginning of his entire sacrifice. But that prayer, I think, shed light, sheds light on almost everything that we do, we understand, we're called to do. Yeah, because we have to suffer with him to be glorified with yeah. him. And it's complete submission for the sake of nothing but love, mm. of real love, not emotional or eros love, but agape. Let's go to Second Timothy. Boom. You had something you wanted to, do you remember it? Well, yeah, just the fact that we, we're talking about how lowly we are, how terrible we are. And then Paul builds on that theme. I'm already being poured out like a libation, and the time of my departure, death, is at hand. So he's saying, I have completely emptied myself. I've got nothing left. Um, talking about his lowliness. But then he says um, that I've competed well. I finished the race. I've kept the faith. I've done what I'm supposed to. The crown of righteousness awaits me, um, which the Lord is going to just judge justly. And then he says um, a couple verses later, um, but the Lord stood by me and gave me strength so that through me the proclamation might be completed and all the Gentiles might hear it. That's not a small proclamation of the good things he did in his life. He says, oh, I've been rescued from the lion's mouth. That as we enter into our humility, as we enter into our lowliness as human beings because of our sinfulness, um, not because of what we were created, but because we we're sinful people, if we place ourselves before God doing his bidding, we will be raised up and be magnificent. And so again, it's that great paradox. The more that we humble ourselves and empty ourselves, the more that we will be raised up and the more that we will literally change the entire world. Paul is one of the most influential people to ever live in the history of the world. Okay, so it seems to me that Paul is actually, I understand he's being humble because he's being true to who he is and what the gifts that God has given him. But when you first read this, you look at it and you say, this is an arrogant SOB, that he's really coming off pretty arrogant in this. Doesn't he? Somebody? I mean, I think that I'm just, I think that I'm playing devil's advocate. I just, yeah. okay, okay. Yeah, I just, no, I got you. But I feel like that we need people who stand up and say, like, I, I'm seeking the Lord, and I know what it looks like. And, like, and he says this in other points, like, come follow me, do what I do, act how I act. Mm-hmm. And he's saying it here, I, I have completed, competed well. I have finished the race. Like, and I can't sit here and say that I have finished the race, but I can look at people, and I have to look at people every week at youth group and to parents and say, I'm competing well, mm-hmm. like, and I am going to the Lord, and when I die— I expect him to give me a crown of righteousness if I keep doing what I'm doing. Okay, because so is, is it humble to, to say it. that? It is, and I think the reason we don't think it is is because of it's what we talked about, again, one or two podcasts ago, the circumstances of the world right now, of where we think the church deserves to be. Nowhere else in the world is it bad to say that I'm good at something. A businessman, yep. right? Think mm-hmm. of Donald Trump five years ago before yeah. all the election crap. He's one of the top businessmen that you look to. That's why I gave him a TV show. Right? Yeah. He may have been an idiot in some ways, but overall, he's made a yeah. lot of money. He's good at what he does. An athlete, what athlete does not say, I'm good? Yeah. And mm-hmm. Well, like Ortiz is retiring. This is his last week yeah. of playing ball. He, was, he can flat out say he's one of the best baseball players that's played. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, and people expect him to say that and to acknowledge it would yep. be stupid for him not to. Yep. Mm-hmm. And it's only in the faith that we expect people to not boast of the, the good things that they do is why it's not arrogance is because he 
says it's because God has done this for me. Yeah. It's mm. God working through me. Mm-hmm. I didn't make this proclamation because of myself, um, but by the Lord, he stood by me, and because of that, I was able to proclaim it. And this, the very last time, to him be glory forever yeah. and ever. Yeah, Amen. and I know the archbishop is pushing, at least at our parish, I, don't, I think at a lot of other parishes, this 33 days to merciful love, the consecration, mm-hmm. um, to merciful love uh, based on St. Therese that Father Gately wrote. And in it, he's talking about that. Like, we were created to be saints mm-hmm. and to desire that and seek that as a good thing. And we do that by recognizing that we are frail and that God's going to do everything. So, like, my desire to be a saint and my desire to say that I'm going to get a crown of righteousness is not because I'm doing so much. It's because I'm watching God pick mm-hmm. me up and work and move in my life every single day and be like, wow, thank, yep. thank God for yep. God. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, yeah, I agree. I, I've been, uh, the guys group that I help lead of junior, senior guys, one of the big themes recently has been humility and pride. And, th- and they always come back on this idea of like, so one of our guys is a great photographer, phenomenal photographer, but he will never say that he's a good photographer. He always, and I think he's struggling with his own pride issues. So like he doesn't want to, boast Mm -hmm. about himself but I'm like it's okay for you to say I'm good at what I do but I do it for your glory like and we always end guys group with the glory be because I think I love that prayer so much almost everything I do is it any class any spiritual direction oh my gosh it's so good because it if you pray it and you actually mean it it removes especially as a youth minister and as a priest like we get a lot of acclaim right right like a lot of people look to us highly Mm -hmm. And if I end what I'm doing with the glory be, I can very, very easily like, oh, yeah, it's not about me. And hopefully people who are praying it remember, oh, yeah, it's not about him. It's about the one mm-hmm. he's pointing to. But that's that Paul keeps doing that, I think. He's, he, yes, he brings, he, he's trying to get people to follow him, and he says, I'm doing it well. Follow me. At the end of the day, though, he's saying, follow me because, dude, I'm trying to go there. Like, I'm, I'm pointing you to him. He's pointing to John the Baptist. Yes, he is. It's not just about him. I'm pointing to somebody else. Yeah. And that's what our saints do. That's why we venerate Mary, just to throw the Mary plug in, because this is going to be getting closer to some of her feast days. Mm -hmm. And this is in October still. Yeah. Right? So that's Mary's month, one of them. She gets a few because she's awesome. Um, But yeah. All right. I can't remember what it was. Oh, one of my heroes is John Paul the Great. Uh, Right? I've got a bunch of heroes, but John Paul is one of them. Am I one of your heroes yet? No. You're moving there. You're May I die before you that I might become one of your heroes? <laughs> <laughs> You're my hero, anyway. baby. So, again, go listen to one of my recent homilies on the signs again. I don't I listen to your homilies. Things. You should. Because um, God works through me. <laughs> oh, boom. Literally. Literally. There is, that is a true story. That is, he is that a priest. Is humble. <laughs> Backed. No, that was one of the homilies I really enjoyed. And it was definitely God working because it was a last minute shift, change up. Anyway, but is what I love is how he stands as a great model of just imagining him standing in the face of evil. And there was, um, I think ABC or NBC, some t- station did a made-for-TV movie that I love. I've watched that thing. And when my last year of college, when I was discerning the priesthood, I watched it probably every other week. Uh-huh. Um, but just him standing there and being the witness and calling the world to greatness, like the pictures of him in front of World Youth Day and stuff. And um, it was amazing. I forget how it tied in, but it was very similar to what I think Paul probably would have, at least metaphorically, um, was doing. Mm-hmm. Um, I had another place I was going to go, but I just looked at you and I lost it with your hand gesture. My bad. That's okay. Man, the more you th- were talking about this whole idea of like 
recognizing the gifts that God has in us for him, it, it kind of brings to mind like all the things that I downplay in myself, but it does no good to downplay stuff in myself. No, because then you won't trust. And that's because yeah. I'm not a bad homeless. I'm not going to say, I know there are other priests that are better than me, but I'm not bad. And if I don't acknowledge that, then I will not preach as boldly. I've got as, I've, I think I've got a way of gently approaching some stuff. Yeah. Being able to dance around stuff that's not aggressive, but gets big issues out there. Maybe I should be more bold. I don't know. I think but you should, but you the know The days me. that I don't trust that or mm. don't go with my gut are the days that the homilies don't feel as good. Yeah. I've had a couple of them, like I said, last minute changes. Like I had a whole homily ready at three o'clock on Saturday. I'm mm-hmm. like, that's not going to work. And I change it. And it's, they feel amazing. And it's because God said, do this Someone, instead. Yeah. You were fighting me all week, but listen. I, I've been, I, I struggle with this a lot because, so I love, um, doing core team training. It's like one of my favorite things to do. And part of the reason is I have this knack to where I can get people on mission really, really well. Like I love doing it and it's something I'm good at, but I don't tell that to like the rest of my staff that have volunteers. Like I should go out and say, or give them the experience or the the example of where I can get team on mission because I'm really good at it and I love doing it. And part of that is to be the Paul, like I'm really good at something, and I do it for God's glory, not for my own glory. But yeah, anywho. No, I think that's I think that's huge. Like because you know, and I think you know, I would just like to honor you and say I think some people see it. Like I come to you and say, okay, you're building a community of disciples on mission here. Like I know how to be a disciple. I I know how to be a part of community. I don't know how to send people Mm -hmm. on mission. That's a weakness that I have, and I look at my group and I say, okay, why is our program not doing what it should be doing? Because no one's going on mission. How do I get mm-hmm. people to go on mission? Who do I need to find or plug in, or what do we need to change to do that? And we need to have people who will stand up and say, I know how to do this. Yep. And I think for the first time in the church, we have people stepping up all over the church and all over the world saying, I know how to be a leader. I know how to, to run a parish. I know how to do this. Yes. And here are resources. Use them. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, I was thinking of parish designer. Mm-hmm. Like, that guy's a great mark, does really good marketing. And he flat out said, I can make a business by doing this, first of all. And I'm really good at it. And you should hire me. Mm-hmm. And that goes back to like the Trump thing. Like, Trump's a good businessman. You, no one could, could discredit Trump being a good businessman. But only in business can you say, I'm good at this. Mm-hmm. As soon as you go into that nonprofit area, it's like, oh, I don't know if I'm supposed to say I'm good at stuff or Jesus stuff. Okay, let's go to the gospel because we are running out of time, ladies and gentlemen. Who's got stuff? Because it's all about humility. And this is where we can never, this is where we have to have that attitude of Paul of acknowledging every good thing we do being from God. And so we've got, this mm-hmm. is uh, the parable of two people going to the temple to pray. One's a Pharisee, one's a tax collector. So the Pharisee, you expect to be doing the good stuff. Um, so Jesus is doing this to people who are convinced of their own righteousness. I was trying to see if he was preaching to Pharisees. Um, He's just preaching to the rest of us. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So one of our professors us. in seminary um, used to tell us, anytime you see scribe or Pharisee and Jesus is preaching to them or about them, uh, say, where am I or how am I one of those people? And we need to ask ourselves that. And so, so that, that's the one you expect to be praying well, and then there's a tax collector who you expect to be the bum um, because he lives a life mostly of stealing. That's what tax collectors typically were done, or stereotypically would steal from people, inflate what they owed. Anyway, the one you expect to do good is just like, oh, look at all these good things I do. I'm not, I don't fall into this sin. I don't fall into that sin. They look at their accomplishments and say that I am a good man. But the one who is a sinner acknowledges his sinfulness, 
Um, it says, God, please have mercy on me. Mm-hmm. And Jesus says, that's the prayer I want to hear. Um, and God says in the Old Testament, time and time again, it's in the Psalms, it's in other places, I don't want sacrifices of animals, I want a contrite heart. Mm-hmm. Now, the sacrifice of animals is hopefully going to point to that, given the fact that's what God did ask, and that's how a whole bunch of stuff we're not going to go into. But he says, I want you to say I'm sorry. I yeah. want you to say I want to be close to you. He's like, that's the offer and I want, which ties into last week's readings of your entire life. So I think one of the best things about this parable, and I really hadn't noticed it until just now, is the Pharisee took up his position and spoke this prayer to himself. And how often do we, I mean, I know for myself, I walk through life and go, oh, I'm glad I'm not that. I would never say it out loud. Mm-hmm. And sometimes it's not even a fully conscious thought, mm-hmm. but it's a thing that happens. You're like, ah, oh, son of a gun, I just did that. Um, I don't know if that, I don't know if you guys run into that. Father, you got something? I do. So I mentioned my rosary in the last podcast. Yeah, that was just a little humble brag. Oh, I did. So one of the things I mentioned, I almost mentioned this, but maybe I was supposed to do it now, was saying that I was praying for somebody I didn't think I helped carry their cross well. Mm. Um, and it's something I've thought for a while. And But in the midst of my praying that decade, God said, you did your job. Mm. They just fell. And it's something I don't want to accept that I, I want to, I'd rather beat myself up as opposed mm. to actually listening to God in my prayer. And so in a sense, that prayer, to go along with what you were saying, is me praying to myself saying, I'm going to focus on what I want to focus on, and I'd rather feel bad about myself. And that's not what true humility is. Yeah. True humility is putting ourselves before God for who we truly are, and then letting him tell us what's going on. The other part about this prayer that the Pharisee prays is he is praying to God. It's not like he's just, mm-hmm. he's not bragging to other people. He's not bragging to himself. He's trying to pray which means that there's a wrong way to pray, and this is the guy doing it, and that we do it all the time. Like you just said, like we fall into this idea of like prayer is just talking to God. No, prayer. there's a right, right way to pray, and there's a wrong way to pray. Mm-hmm. And, I and it's think, probably the station of heart. Sorry. No, you're fine. I think that, that there's also something, there is good here. Like he says, like, Lord, I thank you that I, I'm not struggling with those. And if we can just come to the Lord and in all sincerity say, Lord, like, thank you that I don't have to carry that cross. Yeah. Like, as long as we're recognizing the crosses that we are carrying and, mm-hmm. and what, we, what we're all called to suffer with and we're aware of our own sinfulness. But like I, I rejoice often that I, there are struggles and battles and crosses that I have not had to carry. But that's not by your own doing. Correct. Right? So that's, that's, that's the big difference is you, you don't say, man, I'm glad I don't have this because I've worked so hard. to. Do. No, it has nothing to uh, there's, do. There's, there's no reason why I haven't experienced the struggles and battles that I haven't. But yeah. the Lord has preserved me from them. And I can say, wow. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. Okay, so, Kev, you mentioned that you would like to get to this, and I really do want to get to it. So the judgment. Yeah. I would, I really, that's the biggest part about this prayer that this Pharisee prays, that, like, you read it and you're like, oh, that's, you made a mistake right there. Mm -hmm. Even if you didn't catch any of the other mistakes, as soon as the judgment happens, as soon as the comparisons. Or even like this tax collector. Yeah. And there's such this idea in our world today about what, it, what we're allowed to do with judgment and, and what we're not allowed to do. And Jesus says, you know, you cannot judge one another and stuff like that. Um, and it's, it's really hard because right there he is judging the soul of the tax collector. Mm-hmm. He's saying, this person is a bad person and he's going to be condemned to hell because he's a tax collector. Uh, and he can look at the tax collector and say, even though I don't steal like this tax collector and say, because stealing is wrong. Or even though I don't struggle with greed, like, thank you for that I don't struggle, the greed that, you know, Mm -hmm. is affecting this person. But we don't get to say, this person is going to hell because they're doing this. Yeah. And there's a huge distinction there because we we need to, like, if, you know, Kyle or Father, God forbid, did something or or wrong, I would need to go to them and say, hey, 
That's bad. You can't do that. Yeah. If I was stealing, it would be your guys' moral and the judge that you should be able to judge my action of mm-hmm. stealing, mm-hmm. but not the soul that of what that stealing is doing to my soul. Mm-hmm. Like, and even if you appear to us unrepentant and you say, you know, bug off. Yeah. Like, I'm going to keep doing what I'm doing. Like, we don't get to say, oh, well, Kyle's going to hell now because we don't know when yes. you're going to be taken and, and yes. how you're going to react. And uh, over the course of your life, are you going to repent of that and say, oh, my goodness, what we say is, okay, he didn't repent. I didn't see him repent. So that means I need to pray for him more. Okay, and so that also brings up the idea of, like, um, the Catholics or just Christians in general who fall away from their faith. That doesn't mean they're going to hell. Because we, just because they're not doing X does not mean Y. Right, like, sorry, so Father. We have, to, we have to avoid, and I talk about this quite a bit with um, the grave sins. We said we didn't want to go into specifics, but... Um, those grave sins that we know of with the abortion and yeah. stuff. This is the main one that comes up. We can never tell somebody else that they committed a mortal sin. We can tell them they've created, they've committed a grave sin, but we have no idea what their um, disposition was in full knowledge and full choice, full mm-hmm. will mm-hmm. Um, involved in that. So someone who's an addict or something yeah. like to go with alcohol or drugs yeah. or something, we have no idea where they are. We can say what you're doing is objectively a grave evil. And that's what someone, I think I mentioned it before, someone in confession asked me about it. I will say... Um, it's a grave matter. I was like, it's grave matter. Yeah. I can't tell you the other two. I said, I'm glad you confessed it, and I would continue to confess it. Um, but you're only you're going to know. Or someone who's going through recovery is like, only you are going to know when you're no longer addicted to the point where you would say it's not free will mm. um, or full use of your free will. Um, and Man. we can never put that on somebody else. And there's a whole generation of people who do do that, of saying you committed abortion, you've committed um, your immortal sin. Mm-hmm. We can't put that on people. We can say it's a grave evil. We have to fight in every way. We have to pray for you. We have to walk with you and encourage you, as Kevin mentioned earlier. Um, but we can't force that upon other people. It's between them and God. Even I, as a priest, can't tell them if they're in a mortal sin. And I think, you know, just to touch on it, which is such a dangerous thing, <laughs> that's what Pope Francis has been getting at. Like, so many of these people yes. are saying, like, you're, you're divorced. Yes. You're, this is a mortal sin. Yes, yes divorce is a, is a grave evil, and it needs to be addressed properly, and there needs to be discernment and, and all kinds of things. But we can't just say, oh, you, you knew what you were doing, and you knew what you were doing, you were getting married, and you knew what you were mm-hmm. doing, you got divorced, and you're done for. And because we as a church have failed yes. wholeheartedly. We've, we've talked about that as, you know, we struggle to fill our pews and to staff our parishes. We have failed wholeheartedly our people, and, and we need to, to come to them in mercy and say, okay, where are you at? Like, let's start here. Let's, let's, let's start walking together. Yeah. Last thing, just if you want to spend some time praying on this and how we failed as a church, and a lot of it goes to the priests of a certain generation, there's a trilogy out, um, Fatherless, Motherless, oh, Childless. Yes. And I prefer I've them. only read Fatherless. That's my favorite. And <sighs> motherless is my second, and Childless ends a little crazy. Um, it's conspiracy theorist stuff. Um, but it walks through one priest, and the first one is how he failed his people um, as a priest, but not like in a malicious way, but of trying to be compassionate in the way in which the world would say, be compassionate. And mm. how we, he didn't challenge his parishioners um, to strive for excellence and how he later has a conversion and realizes the error of his ways. But go read those books. They are super quick reads. Um, yeah, I read, I think, Fatherless in a couple of days. They're really, really fast because they're, they're good. It's a story. It's, it's a, a good, good story. story. It's written mm. simply. Yeah. Um, go and pray on that because it's, it's talked specifically about how the priest, but it also gets to the idea of wrestling with our ability to indirectly cooperate with objective evils. Yeah. 
Uh, guys, we really appreciate you listening. Thank you so much for tuning in again. If you have any questions, comments, concerns, send us an email at contactramblings at popolatha.org or send us a text message at 785-672-9478. All that information is in the podcast, and I forgot to pick another winner, so I apologize. We'll do that next week. And you guys got anything else? I really appreciate you guys listening. Peace. God bless. All music on this podcast is written and played by Mikey Ingram. Mikey is a diehard supporter of Ramblings and the Catholic Church. If you are interested in having him play at your parish or church, go to mnbank.com.